Good morning, church. Good to see you. Glad you're here today. Where's Phil at? Phil, come on up here, Phil. I didn't tell him I was going to do this. Don't you love it when people do that way? Phil uh, is visiting with us, him and his wife, Barbara, and Phil has helped plant a lot of churches. You know, church planting is hard work, and uh, come on up. Uh, and he's involved in a ministry called Nexus, and they involved in planting churches all over the United States, and have had several successful ones, uh, and just keep planting and keep planting, and those churches keep planting, and that's what we're all about, trying to get the gospel out. And I appreciate your work. We've been talking and dreaming a little bit together and visiting about how to get the good news out to folks. And so uh, this uh, 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 is part of a part of a ministry out of uh, Golf Course Road Church of Christ in the Midland. And so uh, we wanted to, I wanted to have a special prayer over uh, Phil and his ministry because look, hey, we need more guys preaching. We need more churches planted. We've got a lot of work to do in that area. I appreciate your ministry, brother. We just wanted to have a prayer over you. Okay. Father, thank you for my brother here and uh, for the uh, amount of mission work he's already done in planting churches himself and now in training others to do the same. We're just thankful, Father, that men take up this mantle and leadership and servanthood. And we ask that you bless uh, him and the efforts they have going on in so many different places around the country to get churches going. And so I want to just pray, Father, for him and his wife and his family as well as all those that uh, he encourages and coaches and teaches to plant churches. Thank you, Father, for folks that have a great heart for reaching the lost. And we ask your blessings upon his ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Thank you brother. Get a chance to meet him. Uh, maybe we'll just line him up at the back and make you meet him. I don't know. Put him at the front door and open one. I'm not sure. But uh, y'all be sure and talk to him and uh, dream a little bit about planting churches. Well, we start a new series today called Group Life. And uh, I was over at the university uh, open house. Let's look at this first slide here, guys. Uh, this is a, a group of the a student center group uh, the other night. Uh, you know, just a couple of years ago, that was about three or four kids at the student center. And now look at this group, how it's grown. Lord's blessed. Amen to that. Amen to that. By the way. When you see Gordon and Zach and Ben and those guys, tap them on the shoulder, hug their necks, tell them thank you for staying the course and reaching. That's a, that's a mission field out there at the university. And who knows, we get into foreign students and convert people, the gospel can go all over the world from there. And so we need to be busy. Also, of course, as always, you've got to eat at one of our group meetings, right? And uh, you'll notice the gospel uh, sign on the back wall there. I love the fact we stay focused. This story of the death, burial, and resurrection is what we are all about. It's our DNA. It's, it's, it's what, it's what Watts Ferry Road is about. So uh, uh, small groups here. Let's go on to the next slide, guys. WFR groups. There's a lot of different kinds of groups. You have small groups that celebrate recovery, the step studies. You have uh, small groups in re-engaged ministry on Thursday nights for marriages. There's, uh, uh, there's uh, men's Bible study groups uh, uh, going on. There's women's Bible study groups going on. There's the... Uh, Heartfelt, did I say that right, Joe Neal? Heartfelt, heartfelt, formerly Heart to Home groups going on. Uh, and so a lot of folks involved in that. Uh, there are, uh, I know I'm going to miss some groups for there. i got a circle that just says small groups. That's for all of, that I missed. Uh, there's the Golden Sixties group. You know, I love that group. 
And uh, I used to think of that, you know, that older group, except till I realized that next month I, I will become 60. Thank you very much. You know, I, uh, and, uh, you know, I kind of, I remember when Phil Robertson turned 60 and we sent him that letter in the mail that says, you know, come be a part of the 60s. He's like, okay, well, they want us to start working with the 60s group. And she said, no, Phil, you're a part of the 60s group. <laughs> So, uh, but we have that group going. So a lot of great groups happening here. There's grief share. There's divorce recovery. I had a lady tell me the other day that that group lifted her out of darkness and pain. And what a great blessing that particular group is. If you're in any kind of small group, uh, would you? I want you to stand. I want us to kind of get just a visual of folks that are in small groups. If you're in a small group, would you stand up? Thank you for connecting. Get that, David, take a picture of that and get, get them all. Thank you. You can be seated, please. Look, that's how we take care of each other. If you're not connected somewhere, then, then all of a sudden it's hard to shepherd. It's hard to, uh, it's hard for elders to know what's happening because we work through so many other levels of leadership, through servanthood, through uh, house church leaders or, or community care group leaders. All those things. Being in group is how you take care of one another. We have to have that relationship, that connection that takes place. And so that's why we do groups. That's why we are talking about being connected, life connections through our small group ministry. We, we need that so desperately. Look, this started, this started with Jesus. Small groups start with the life of Christ. Uh, go to that next slide, guys. There we go. Group life starts with Jesus. I actually started way before that. I guess you could say in one sense the Godhead was the first small group. And then God created Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he gave him Eve and Adam looked over at Eve and I'm sure in the original language he said, wow. You know, that's awesome. And so the family group Began And then they had kids. And you know, that group had some problems. Every group has problems, right? And that group had some problems and some dysfunction. And then out of this thing, God builds a nation. And as this nation is even delivered, remember when Moses led the nation out? They got so big and they said, look, Moses, you can't take care of people like you're doing. And his, and his father-in-law gave him some advice. You've got to break these down into, into tens and hundreds. And you've got, to, you've got to have them in groups that you can function in, take care of. And then on when Jesus hits the scene and comes to this world, he starts his ministry and he spent three years with a group of guys. Remember that? And he took those guys and he mowed them and look, they're, they're a rough bunch. They're just a bunch, they're like some of you in here, just a bunch of fishermen. And they're kind of a rough crew and he takes them and he lives and he does life with them. And he shows them how to do ministry and they do ministry together and they mess up time and time again and they, but they stay the course. And he brings that group all the way there to the end where he gives them the Great Commission. And he tells them, hey, this group right here, y'all go and take the good news to Matthew 20. says, every ethnic group in all nations and get this good news out. And so that's what his group does. And in Acts chapter 1, just do a little bit of reading there. Oh, Luke that wrote this. Luke, he's a lot of, has quite a bit of detail. You know, he's a doctor and he writes in detail. He's already written the book of Luke. And right after that, he goes into this. 
And he says in my former book, the Apostle, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, that's that group of guys that he had chosen. That group. And verse 4 says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, there you go. It's biblical to eat in your group. Just wanted to make sure you knew that. Cook, bring food, that's part of it. And he gives them the command to, that, that something good's going to happen to go to Jerusalem there and wait. Then later on, verse 6, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses, my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So they go into they go into Jerusalem and they're waiting. And verse 14 says, they all join together constantly in prayer. They got a little prayer group going. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And this group is praying for something that's going to happen. And out of this prayer, they re- end up replacing the leadership that they lost through Judas. And then that, that group stands up. Remember on the day of Pentecost here in Acts 2 then? Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Begin to speak in languages as the Spirit enabled them. And all of a sudden, this group gets up and starts talking about God. And then Peter, the spokesman, comes out and preaches the gospel. And he says, hey, you know... This one that God sent to you, the one that God loved, God loved you so much, He sent this person, Jesus Christ, to die for you, was more than a man, He's God in the flesh. But you took by your own wicked hands and you crucified Him. But God raised Him from the dead. His body wasn't going to seek decay. Uh-uh. He's coming out of the ground. And their hearts were touched by that message. The Bible says pricked. I remember studying with a lady one time. We sat down and shared the gospel, and she saw this and just started bawling because her heart was moved that God would love her in spite of all her sinfulness, that God would love her and want to save her. And like that, they were pricked, and they said, What do we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, this is not just for you. It's for the next generation and the next generation and the next. And he went on to encourage them with many other words. Tell, hey, get out of the culture and, 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 that you're in now. Get out of this mess and get in on God. He preached the good news. That's, his group preached his message and lives were changed. Lives were changed. And then all those folks that were in a small group, all of a sudden became about 3,000 people. That's not a small group, David. That's a big group, right? But what did they do? They instantly went small. They were meeting in each other's house, house to house. They were meeting and in the temple courts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And they were even, look, they lost careers. They lost jobs when they became Christians. And so what they do, they sold their land, they brought their goods, they made sure nobody went hungry, that everybody was going to make it through this thing. Because when you give your heart and life to Christ, who knows what happens? His name was Terry, and we had studied the gospel with him, and 
His family didn't want him to become a Christian or have anything to do with us. We were in South Texas. We shared the good news and old Terry's heart was pricked. He's baptized into Christ. And that afternoon when he goes home, all his possessions are out in the yard. And he's no longer welcomed at his house. His dad put everything outside. That's it. You're out of here. If you're going to join that bunch, you're out of here. And we surrounded him, and that group took care of him, whether it was sleeping on the couch or staying in somebody's house and encouraging him and making disciples on and on. And so it wasn't too long ago. Look, this was back in the early 1980s. It wasn't too long ago I got a message from him that he would just baptize his child and was going strong for the Lord in San Antonio, Texas. Amen. Amen. We need people around us. Go to the next slide, guys. Who did you start life with? When I was preparing this lesson, I was thinking about who I started life with. And I thought about old Gary Stevenson and Ron Gosen, who used to come and visit me all the time when I was at Arkansas State University. and uh, I had no desire really to serve the Lord. Oh, I, I went to church. I sit in a pew like some of you. So, you know, some people say, well, you can't just go all the time and then not serve. Oh, yeah, you can. I did it for years. I know. I understand. If you're there, that's, I was there. And uh, they kept bothering me, inviting me to Devo's. They'd, knock, they'd go door knocking, you know. They'd come and visit you on Monday night, you know. They'd knock the door. I'd look out the window. There's the preacher. Slide the beer behind the cow. So got to put up with this guy. You know, the preacher's coming over, right? And uh, uh, so they kept on and kept on. And then they t- I came to a Devo. They m- I met some people. I met some other folks. And that student center group just sucked me in and saved my life. And that night I was coming back from Memphis, Tennessee with a group of guys that I that were my friends. And we drank and ran around together. And everybody had been drunk that night after a football game. It's 4, 4.30 in the morning. And I'm driving back. And the message had been working on me and working on me. And I'm praying the whole way back. God, please don't let us wreck. Please just let me get back. To, I'm, I'm going to make a move. We got in there early that morning. And I went to the, my apartment. I... I cleaned up, I I got my Bible, I got in my car and stopped by the convenience store, got something to drink and headed right down to, I mean, not something to drink, drink, I mean a regular drink by that time. And I I went down to the church and I was the first car on the parking lot. And I waited for church to start. And I listened to that message that whole day. And that night I got with Gary and them and boy, we went down to that church building and Gary and Raymond McDaniel and Ron Ghost, and they baptized me into Christ. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. That group, the message of God did it, but God used a group around me to start life with. And I needed that group. I needed new relationships. I needed that friendship. I needed no people to be behind me no matter what. So I texted Gary this morning. said, I'm talking about starting life. I just wanted to thank you for starting life with me. I appreciate you. And uh, that's my encouragement to you. Who did you start life with? Think about the group. 
It may have been the guys in, uh, in your cabinet camp. It may have been a campaign group that you went on somewhere with. It may be just friends that get pulled you in and taught you the good news. Who, whoever you started life with, find them, thank them, and start another group like that. That's really what our group ministry is all about. He said, well, Mike, I don't really know exactly really, really where to start. You know, I don't know really what to do. And, and, and look, look, there's five things we want to make happen always in groups and, and, and church. Look, it's like this. We want worship to take place. We want evangelism, right? We want fellowship. We want discipleship. And we want ministry or serving. All that can take place in your group. You can't do that in one assembly. You can't do all those things. You can't do that looking at the back of someone's head. Right? I mean, we need, we need to be connected in groups in order to be shepherded and grow and make disciples. How can you tell when a church is going what the direction it, 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 that it really needs to? I was sharing Wednesday night with the, with the group there. Look, when your conversations in your church, as you're walking around and hearing, are conversations that go like this. Hey, Mike, I want you to come meet this guy. I brought a new visitor, came today. I want you to meet him. Or when someone comes and says, hey, I've been having a Bible study for Joe. I think he's going to be baptized tonight. When you have those kind of conversations taking place, that's the buzz of your, uh, of your church. You know you're on the right track. When the volume of that conversation is louder than the volume of the conversation that says, Oh, what are they doing up front now? This is too cold in here. That place still stinks over there. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've said all those things, right? You said those. But when the volume of the other is high, you know you're on track. You know why? Because we're moving our people from entitlement to encouragement. Entitlement says, I put my money in the bucket. You owe me something when I walk in here and sit down. Give me that song or give me that preacher. Make this happen for me. That's entitlement. Encouragement says, I'm here to find out what, God, what can I do to be, as I'm in God's presence, what can I do for the brothers and sisters that I'm with? That's encouragement. We said, Mike, I just don't know where to start. Let me tell you where to start. Start on your pew. Be pew conscious. Just notice the people that sit around. You know, typically we always sit in the same place. Look, if you don't believe that, just sit in somebody's seat and they'll tell you, hey, uh, brother, uh, you, uh, we usually sit there, you know. Right? We know. It's no secret. We have, a, we have a place. We Just take care of those on your pew. Just look around. They, they, most people sit in the same place. Notice them. If they're not there when you leave today, here's one thing you can do to get connected. Pick, call them. Text them. Face whatever them. I mean, whatever it is to communicate, Right? And say, I miss you today. Is everything okay? Are you guys out of town? Because I, I was missing you today. Just that. Because when someone realize, when someone has been thought, when they realize, look, they thought of me. That's important. That's huge. That says I'm important to their life. That's what we want. We want to take care of one another. So look, even if you're not in a group yet, just start where you sit. By taking care of those on the pew. Don't sit on a pew and say, well, so-and-so never came and visited me. Sit on a pew and say, hey, look, I'm going to visit whoever's not here on my pew today. Move from entitlement to encouragement. 
Then, as we are people conscious, we take care of one another and we grow. You know, great things happen in groups. I'll tell you, David, we're talking about small groups. Look, some of the best small groups I've been in has been on a van riding to Mexico. And if you don't think that group in a van develops into a small group, I mean, you see people when they're hungry, when they're tired, when they're sleepy. They take pictures of you when you're sleeping. I mean, all kinds of things happen on those trips, right? You go on a trip, you sit in the, I tell you what, you sit in the van with, with Gordon Dasher 20 hours and see what happens to you. I've been on that van. I'm like, you think I could fly next time? You know, I mean, no. Look, something happens when you're with people. And you're communicating, even when you do a task that's hard. That's one of the blessings of, of, of even how terrible our flood was here in this area back in the spring. The blessings of side by side, digging through somebody's house and, and, and taking the wet carpet out and, and helping clean up. There's something good that happens when you serve together. Connections. They're so very, very important. I want you to know as you practice those principles in your group, in the folks you have relationships with, you are being like Christ. And people look at that and they say, you know what? I don't know about other places. That's a true church. By this shall all men know you're my disciples, that you love one another. That you're taking care of one another. That you help one another. That's why the emphasis on getting connected through groups. Here in a couple of weeks, we'll have a Sunday night. Give everybody an opportunity to be here and, and, and hook into groups and find out what they're about, how they function. Now, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've never was much on getting in a group. I'm, I'm fine standing up here preaching. I'm fine standing up here leading worship. You know, that's great. You know, that I've got a little distance there. But to all of a sudden sit in a group where somebody's going to ask a question and I've got to answer it about my life, I'm like, I do you know, that's awkward, right? It's not how I was built. But I need that. I need that connection. Susan and I, we first moved to Kaufman, Texas back in 98. We didn't even got the boxes. There's still boxes that are, are, you know, not unpacked. We're getting in the house. And the guy calls and he says, Mike, we want you all to come over to our prayer group tonight. Well, you know, I'm the, I'm the new preacher in town. And I'm like... Prayer group? I don't want to go. You know, I'm real, I didn't want to go. I mean, have you ever been that way? You don't want to go to a group you got invited to? Anybody been that way besides me? Y'all just let me hanging up here. I mean, one of my own ought to come to my rescue here. Yeah, you're tired. you got things going that night. I'm like, oh. Susan's like, no, nah, we need to go. You know, okay, I'll go. And I'm telling you what, that group that we hooked into there, that prayer group, was a lifesaver. And they had a list of all their prayer requests. And every time God answered a prayer, they marked it off. And you could see God moving in the lives of people through that group. I was just thinking about it. Says, you know, we just made a little trip to Texas. When I got to think about people we stopped and saw, the majority of them were people we were in a group with. That's where life happens. You can't know everybody in this room, but you've got to know somebody. You've got to be hooked into somebody. That's how church functions. You and I need to be in a group. 
Your next best friend for life may be the new group you're in this next month. So don't shy away. Jump in. Because it's hard to disciple people who only come to an assembly. You've got to get connected to a group. If you don't think they're powerful, watch this video testimony of some brand new folks in our church family who got in through a group. I didn't think it was for me. Uh, I didn't have any expectations. It was something mandatory, and I was real hesitant. Uh, I didn't really, I wasn't feeling it then. I would have to say my initial reaction was the same. I thought everybody was crazy, telling all their personal business. And, but you keep going, and you keep meeting the people, and you learn them, and they love on you, and it makes you feel comfortable. I kept coming back because I started seeing change. I started seeing growth in myself. I started seeing growth in my husband. The, what stuck out most to me was the diversity. There were so many different people from different areas, different walks of life that come together, and we're sharing our issues, and they were all pretty much the same. We all had something going on where some were real dramatic, others were, you know, not so dramatic, but in their life it was. I would say the thing that stuck out the most was that everybody's different everybody has a different story but in the end we're all looking for the same thing and that's the love of jesus and finding the lord we were loved on and liked more than we liked ourselves you know we didn't love each other but they loved enough for both of us and kept us coming they encouraged us you get loved on by the group members and at first it might kind of take you back a little bit but once you start to get to know everybody then you just love back on them and then you love on the newcomers and they look at you like you was crazy just like you did to the people when you first come in there it was my third month of a step study uh the second second big storm that hit us last year and it, it hit me i seen a fellow pray like i've never seen him pray before and it was the truth chapter in, in the step study and i just purged i mean i just i just come forward like i've never had before in my life being loved on by the guys and i i hit my knees and i knew then i was different i unloaded and he just took all those out and filled me with and my family life has changed for the simple fact that we are one. We all live for Christ now. My married life has changed from a horror story to a true love story. Absolutely become a member of a small group because you might feel awkward at first, but once you get in there and you start to get to know the people, it's going to open you up in a way that you didn't think that you ever could be opened up. And you're going to grow from there. And just remember whenever the Lord puts you somewhere where you're uncomfortable, that's usually when you're growing. Stop thinking about it and just dive in. What could go wrong? I love the, uh, the joy and the smiles there at the end because I know not too long before this there wasn't that joy in those smiles and not only did they find Jesus I, lo- I love what our brother said he said uh, his marriage went from a horror story to a true love story groups are a place for change and growth that's why we encourage you so much about hooking in to those kinds of relationships you know the very first 
thing we do to, to start life is to make Jesus our Lord and Savior. In Acts 2, the way that happened, when that good news was preached and their hearts were pricked, they repented and were baptized into Christ. And you have that opportunity that you can do that uh, in just a moment when we have a song. You, you, you can come down forward. We'll baptize you right now today. Or maybe you've just got disconnected and you need to reconnect. That's a, that's a good thing to gather up and pray for. Or there's, maybe there's some other burden you just need to share with the church family. But we say here, nobody comes alone. Right? We're walking this journey together. Nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody has all the answers. We're just going to grow together. But, but we need to remind ourselves we are a forever family. A forever family. And if you need to become a part of that family or need prayers from this family, that's what our invitation song is all about. If you have a need, you can come while together we stand and we sing.